she was known as a warrior princess. And being the great-great-granddaughter of one of the most successful and brutal conquerors, it's no surprise. Her resolve and strength were so great that she became sought after for her advice. The story of her life awed the likes of Marco Polo and Rashid al-Din Hamadani to the point that their accounts inspired several exaggerated tales. Many fans around the globe can likely thank this one woman, at least in some small part, for being the basis for their favorite strong female character in literature and media. In a world too often dominated by male views and stories, historical accounts of women taking charge of their lives have only recently, in the last 40 years or so, started to see the light of day. The trend many places in academia used to keep women subservient and, to use their horribly sexist phrase, keep them in their place, involved striking stories like the one I have for you today from all records, or at the very least, making sure they stayed out of schools. Luckily for the star of today's story, she has gotten some small recognition in 2014 when Netflix featured a version of her on their original show, Marco Polo. But I'm here to set the record straight and tell you the truth of this magnificent woman, as much as can be determined from something that took place so long ago. Because the real Kutalun, legendary wrestler, is every bit as incredible as the stories told about her. Ellen J. Barrier once said, a strong woman builds her own world. She is one who is wise enough to know that it will attract the man she will gladly share it with. I'm Aiden May. Welcome to Haunting Historia. As counterintuitive as it may seem on an episode discussing empowering women, to understand the story of Kutalun, we must first take a trip even further back and discuss her great-great-grandfather, because it was he who first established the culture and rules under which his descendant would one day live. That man was none other than the infamous Genghis Khan himself. For those who may be forgetting the details of Khan's legacy, this Mongol chieftain first made history when he unified several disparate tribes under a single banner, his banner. They bestowed upon him the name he is remembered by, a title meaning Oceanic or Universal Ruler. He then went on to conquer a vast range of land from Asia all the way to what would be modern Poland today. When he died in 1227, he amassed a reputation for being a cruel invader. And while that descriptor is one he had certainly deserved, the man himself was much more complicated. Genghis Khan created an empire the likes of which hadn't been seen since Alexander the Great, bringing with him 
several advancements in society that had been non-existent in most of the places he invaded. Regions under his rule experienced a level of meritocracy, or a system in which goods and power are vested in people on the basis of talent and effort, rather than social or political class. There was also said to be religious tolerance with Genghis Khan in command, and he detailed his policies explicitly for his soldiers to follow. After his death in 1227, the Mongol Empire split into what were called Khanates, regions of territory ruled over by Khans, who were themselves ruled over by the Khagan, or Khan of Khans. In 1260, one of Genghis Khan's descendants rose to be the fifth great Khan of the empire. He took the title Kublai Khan, and during that same year, Kublai's cousin Kaidu welcomed a baby girl into the world. Kutalun came into the world, she arrived at a time when the empire already seemed fragile. Civil war bubbled just under the surface between Kublai Khan and the other Khans. Kublai was a politician, focusing his efforts on the governing of his Khaganate. Kaidu, on the other hand, favored what was considered more traditional aspects of Mongolian life, as did several of his fellow Khans. They preferred a nomadic lifestyle to include things such as horseback riding, archery, and brute strength. As you might imagine, this provided Kutalun with a childhood filled with competition, especially since she had 14 brothers to contend with. Anyone who has even one sibling can understand her resolve to keep up with the accolades of her family. And to say that she matched those around her is truly an understatement. By the time all-out war broke out between her father and Kublai Khan, Kutalun fought as well, if not better, than almost any man in Kaidu's horde. This skill extended to riding horses and firing bows as well. She rode so well, in fact, that she was able to intimidate opposing forces by quickly retrieving prisoners. Marco Polo described seeing this incredible feat. Sometimes she would quit her father's side and make a dash at the host of the enemy and seize some man thereout, as deftly as a hawk pounces on a bird, and carry him to her father, and this she did many a time. Of all her family, Kutalun was her father's favorite. Despite having a host of siblings, men, it was her that Kaidu went to for military advice. But as terrifying as it must have been to be facing a Mongol horde and watch as a woman split off and snatched up a random person, that accomplishment pales in comparison to her biggest claim to historical fame. One of the pastimes of Kaidu's tribe was that of wrestling. Unlike today, with our gender and weight class divisions, wrestling in the Mongol Empire came with far less restrictions. 
they allowed anyone to challenge anyone. And that's exactly what happened. Young men cut their teeth fighting the elder warriors to prove their mettle. Women wrestled men. And the most respected, most renowned wrestler of the Kaidu Kaganate was Kutalun. She is said by both Marco Polo and Rashid al-Din to have been undefeated during her lifetime. But the story of her prowess in the ring goes beyond simply besting her opponents. As the story goes, Kaidu hoped desperately for his daughter to marry. Possibly, he wished to create a bond between his cognate and another, thus strengthening his own position. Kutalun, however, refused to simply be married off just like that. It probably stemmed from having grown up with so much male influence in her life. She needed a husband capable of matching her strength. So, being the willful and creative woman she was, she set up a wager that would cement her legacy in the annals of history. Kutalun announced that she would only marry the man who could best her in a wrestling match. To give a little more context to the time period, these matches were not the formal pin to the ground for three seconds type of wrestling that we typically see today. Matches were long, exhausting affairs that would last until one or the other fell to the floor for good. That isn't to say they wrestled to the death, but one had to be excessively strong to endure the kind of matches that were fought. Kutaloon set up a standing offer, one that remained in effect for as long as she remained unmarried. One match. If the challenger wins, they become her betrothed. But Kutaloon needed to make sure that the bet would be worth risking marriage. So challengers had to put up an ante in order to participate not gold or jewels. As the daughter of a great Khan, she had no need for monetary valuables. Mongols were horse lords. She wanted anyone who wished to face her to put up a minimum of 100 horses. According to the accounts of those who witnessed her matches, she never lost a single one. Before long, she had a herd of 10,000 horses. That could easily be an exaggeration, given the disconnect between 2021 and the latter half of the 13th century. But suffice it to say that she walked away from every match with more horses and no husband. Marco Polo once wrote about a warrior so confident in his skills that he bet 1,000 horses. Kaidu supposedly wished for this to be the man to ultimately marry his daughter because he asked her to purposely lose the match. If you guessed that Kutaloon stubbornly added 1,000 horses to her winnings, then you've been paying attention. Unfortunately, because Kutaloon lived in the 1200s in a male-controlled world, her stubbornness only lasted so long. 
despite her father's devotion and willingness to let her live her own life, despite a few romanticized versions of her story claiming that she died unwed, eventually, she would have to wed. Stay tuned after the break to learn more. This episode of Haunting Historia was written and produced by me, Aiden Main, with music by John Bjork. Welcome to Season 2. This podcast was started to tell the stories that don't often get told. I chose the name Haunting because I hoped that these would be the stories that stuck with people, long after the episode has ended. If you wish to support me in this endeavor, then consider subscribing to my Patreon. Each tier grants different access to things like a private Discord community, the chance to vote on topics for future episodes, and even Patreon-exclusive t-shirts designed by yours truly. All donations will be put back into the show in an effort to make it even better. And as always, if you have an idea for an episode, feel free to reach out via my email, stories at hauntinghistoria.com or through the contact form on my website, hauntinghistoria.com. As I mentioned before, some versions of Kutalun's story end with her defiantly living her entire life without a husband. Others describe the fiery, strong-willed princess falling in love with a noble hero. And while there is much debate between historians regarding who exactly she married, the truth is a little more practical. After a time, Kutalun naturally developed a reputation, but her father was struggling to hold on to the power that he held. His political opponents began seeping rumors around the empire that there was more to his daughters being unwed than had been told. They began to suggest that Kaidu had an incestuous relationship with Kutalun. Being the politically aware woman that she was, Kutalun saw what these rumors were doing to her father and his position. In an effort to squash things before they got out of hand, She married and settled down. History is unclear about the man who became her husband, but it is clear about one important detail. He did not beat her in the wrestling ring. If you enjoyed this episode of Haunting Historia, then I invite you to subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. History is a tapestry that often gets pieces torn off or sewn back in. For example, the story of Kutalun was lost to time in places outside of Asia until 1710, when Francois Petit de la Croix wrote a story based on her life called The story gained traction, eventually becoming popular enough to inspire spin-offs, until historians took a closer look 
and rediscovered her truth. And it's my pleasure to bring stories like this and others every week to help spread awareness of the history behind them. So stay tuned for each and every episode as I endeavor to shed light upon the dark corners of the past. The most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. Amelia Earhart